Hello and welcome to Talk The Line, I'm Jen Long. In this podcast, we chat to musicians about their secret, or at least a little bit hidden, obsessions. We upload a new episode every Friday, and this week we're back from Iceland airwaves with a snotty cold and a few exciting Nordic chats on the horizon. You can follow us on Twitter, at TalkTheLine, and me, at Jen Long. And please do get in touch, send us a tweet. Producer Paul is holding his breath, literally. If you like what you hear, as always, please subscribe to this podcast. Olafur Arnolds is one of Iceland's top composers and probably best known in the UK for his BAFTA award-winning score to the television show Broadchurch. Only just in his 30s, Olafur has carved out a career that's seen him work with the likes of Nils Fram, as well as Moonlight as one half of techno outfit Chiasmos, along with his friend Janus from electropop outfit Blood Group. Oliver actually began playing music as a drummer on the Icelandic hardcore scene and you can find a video of him on YouTube if you look for a song called Fuck You by a band called Fighting Shit. Yep. Last year he released the album Island Songs which saw him connect with local musicians across his home country to create a community-based portrait of Icelandic music. Collaboration is a very important part of the way Oliver approaches music. Just a couple of days after a companion film to the Island Songs project premiered in Iceland, I sat down with him to talk about why working with others is so vital to him. Did you start a chip shop? Started it. Mm-hmm. Uh, ran it for two years and mm-hmm. sold it, actually. Just a few weeks ago. You just sold, sold a it. chip shop? Yeah, just did. Yeah. Okay. Well, I never ran it, that's an overstatement. I, I <laughs> you just owned I, I just went there and got some free chips, <laughs> which was the whole purpose. Is it still it. going? Yeah. Uh, Great. Is I it here? Yeah, it's uh, on Lover, pretty much the main street. Do you like Or chips? just off it. Yeah, it's like proper Belgian chips. So it was your, and that was a collaboration? That was a collaboration. God, look at that, we just segued <laughs> straight into the topic so easily. <laughs> yeah, I, I collaborated with someone who actually knows how to work a fryer. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have you have an album that was all collaborations, or you did a project mm-hmm. that was all collaborations. We're mm-hmm. not talking about your music, but we're talking about the the art of collaboration, I suppose. Yeah, I guess. I, I've I've always found it far easier if I have an idea to achieve that idea through collaboration. I'm. I can work on my own, and I'm quite good at working on my own, but when... Oh, thank you very much. Cheers. When it's like the grander schemes, like bigger things. Yeah, thank you. Like if it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I can work on like, here, if someone gives me a project and they're like, finish this, I'm like, cool, I can do it, I can totally do it. But if I have like an idea that I want to take from an idea into something in the real world, mm-hmm. I always find then collaboration so much more important. Yeah, I also think with most with most projects that are you know are to have an impact or or be kind of a bigger scale of, of things a, mm. a grand project there's they can almost never be done by just one person mm. so we shouldn't expect that yeah or uh, if they are done by one person it's there's sometimes usually things that are overlooked or rushed or that you kind of have to learn through trial and error. Yeah, because there's so many jobs you can't do. Like even yeah. just making an album, you know, the musician is always collaborating with someone. Even if he or her, she plays all the instruments, yeah. writes all the songs, there's somebody doing the artwork, mm. there's somebody releasing it, there's somebody 
doing the PR, there's somebody uh, you know, recording it or mixing it, mastering it, so everything is a collaboration and, and what I've really, and kind of why I've been obsessed with this subject lately is, is I've realized that being a musician nowadays and probably at other times as well, uh, your job is uh, you're an art director and if you come to terms with that and you realize you're you're not a genius you know your songs might even be pretty pretty good but <laughs> you're, you're not a genius and you can't do everything so I think a really big part of being a good artist is knowing how to pick the right people right. surrounding you with the right people mm. uh, and I feel like my last couple of albums especially what I'm kind of working on now I've, I've had this at the forefront of everything before I write music who is the right person to do this who is the right person to do that mm. and having a great team together um, becomes almost as important as the melodies you write right yeah of course and I guess it's a skill to pick the right people to work with like, I'm sure that there's people listening who've tried to start businesses or ideas or creative projects and they've you know they met someone who's been like of course I can do this I can do this this and this and you kind of get dazzled by the enthusiasm but real in then when you know it gets down to it and you're like did you send that email have yeah. you done this and you're like you don't know what you're doing do you why have I collaborated with yeah. you yeah this is hugely important in everything it's not just art or music you know I've started a couple of, of businesses and I've I've learned you know the hard way also that yeah uh, um, you know having the enthusiasm for doing it is, is not enough you know you have to the team has to be perfect and right mm -hmm. in all ways you know and it's not enough that everybody is good at their job or, or or has enthusiasm for the project they need to all fit together as one mega mind somehow mm. and, you know. I suppose there's a lot of it as well depends on how big that team is yeah I'd say it's like a team of about three of you working a project you can sort of manage each other you can sort of sit together and you can divvy up the work and delegate between yourselves but once that team gets a little bit bigger then it's like someone kind of needs to lead yes. you know and mm. that's why you I say you, you are an art director yeah. if it's your idea you're the director and and not just your immediate team is what matters but also if it's a company the people they're gonna hire and the mm. people they are gonna hire you're starting like a snowball effect. Yeah. Um, because it always, you know, and of course I can just take my own job for an example, which is music. Um, you know, there's there's people in Mexico uh, promoting my music there that I have never met or talked to in my life. Uh, but how do I make sure those people understand my idea? Yeah. You know? Does that that starts with you? making my yeah that's uh, yeah usually terrifying. How do you find that so scary? <laughs> this thing that you've created and worked on and, and you put so much of yourself into and then you just have to hand it off to a team of unknowns. Yeah, I remember uh, the girls from Amina told me once um, that in some countries I don't remember where, but there was like one continent where their music was basically promoted and sold as. Uh, like massage music oh. and that was like the whole context all the promotion was in uh, 
because you know the label had probably a sub label who yeah. hired some PR and you know the the message the message is just getting lost somewhere along the way, um, and you know art, artists have management and they have to make sure the management really is protecting the vision of the artist, not mm. just getting all all the the elements in place, but making sure that the if if the artist has a vision where their music should be and go and how it should be presented that that vision is protected through every single step yeah and i've taken recently a lot of big steps to kind of ensure that you know mm. um, for my next kind of project because you know. mm. i guess when you first said this this topic i just thought of it as being kind of a collaboration but i just thought on the sort of basic scale of it being collaboration between two people you know that's what my mind went to first which is how i i think i've always work best is I had like a fanzine back in the day and I started a fanzine with my uh, my friend Adam and I did all the like editing. I'm just going to keep talking while yep. you play with yourself. <laughs> it's just falling apart. There's a lot of cheese in it. There's a lot of cheese. It's quite good. Yeah. And mustard. Oh, that's nice. That's a nice combo. <laughs> like stringy cheese and mustard. So Adam did like all the design stuff. I did all the like writing and the, the kind of editing side and Great team, great collaboration. He did that one thing, I did that one thing. And then I did I ran club nights with my friend John and we worked together on that. And then just oh I feel like all through my life I've always worked with someone else on a project and they've always it's always been a really enjoyable experience. And it's like it's like that classic thing that you um you put on job applications, isn't it? Can work well <laughs> can work well with others. individually <laughs> but also as part of a team. <laughs> I've never applied for a job. I bet you haven't. <laughs> well, that's your, that was your whole shtick, wasn't it? That you were a, uh, a boy wonder. That, not my words. Not my words. <laughs> Never. So I guess you weren't really like putting in those Good example of when you lose control of your team. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they write this in your press release. Um, a 31-year-old boy wonder. Yeah, that, that just started getting creepy at that point. <laughs> it was but fine when I was 20. You know? Uh, but yeah, but I'm, yeah, I'm I can 31 tomorrow. No way! Or today? Oh. No, you tomorrow. Should really yeah. You should really tomorrow. know. You should really know that one. Yeah. <laughs> no, a happy birthday um, for tomorrow. Uh, thank you. I'm not very much of a birthday boy. Um, but yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, I can imagine you've never had to you know, apply to work behind I, a till or Superdrug or something. When I was 14, I applied for a job in a grocery store hmm. and I didn't get it. But I remember I put on perfume for the first time in my life. To and, go for the interview? Uh, yeah. And I put gel in my hair, put on a nice, you know, some nice clothes, and my sister drove me. And I sat in the car, and she was like, Ole, you smell like a 50-year-old lady. <laughs> uh, that's probably why. Because you'd worn all that perfume. I didn't get it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, how do how do your collaborations work then? Is it different collaborating on something that you're kind of, that's kind of your day job? I imagine like mm -hmm. music being your day job to collaborating on something like your chip shop, which <laughs> is more like an extracurricular activity. Um, well, I've done a lot of musical collaborations, and for me, you know, because I guess I am a little bit known for collaborating with a lot of people, I get also a lot of emails you know from people do you want to collaborate with with this person or this person and that never works for me 
okay. you know, the, the whole thing like, oh, I like your music, we should collaborate, doesn't really work for me because uh, it needs to come from, from a deeper place than just thinking about the result. You know? Right, okay. You can't just say, I like what this person is doing, so we must be great together, you know? Right. When you yeah, say it like yeah. that, it makes sense, right? And you have to be friends. And, and for me, collaboration doesn't start with collaboration. It starts with getting to know each other. And uh, I can say me and uh, Neil Frank, for example, we've done, I think now four EPs probably that we have released in the last few, few years as collaboration albums. And I think that's probably one of my most successful collaborations. We, we really work well together. We complement each other in all the best ways, but when we started making music together, it was only for the love of hanging out. And actually, we didn't plan to make music. We were just hanging out. Mm. <laughs> we, were, we cooked some pizza. Well, he cooked some pizza. I can't do <laughs> shit in the kitchen. And, uh, and then we would just, you know, when the, it gets a little bit later during the night, maybe I sat down at the piano and he, he joined me. And, and we went like, oh, that's nice. Let's press record. Right, yeah. So that, that's, that's quite an that innocent way of, of creating something together, yeah, of collaborating. With, with no expectation of what comes out of it. Just having fun and enjoying the, the process of it. Mm. Um, and I think that's, in all col collaborations, I think that's a very important factor. That the process is more important than the result. Right. And what, how, how, how do you <coughs> fit into that? that usual, what's your kind of collaborative persona are you a listener or are you do you the one driving the ideas forward or it depends who I'm with um, it depends on the relationship I guess um, you know for example if I talk about me and Niels um, I, I'm the one who keeps things organized and he's the one who brings a crazy idea to the table because uh, you need both you know you, yeah. you need to be able to look outside the box but you also need to frame things and, mm. and, and, and put them in some kind of a, a presentable format. Um, whereas in, in other collaborations, I might be the one who brings the idea and, and some other people are ex executing it. Um, mm. And I think that's very often the case in, you know, when I work on music videos or, or you know, anything like the artwork and stuff like that surrounding the music. Mm. Uh, I'm not good at making videos. <laughs> I'm not good at drawing or designing. So yeah. uh, you have to just bring the idea and then, then start collaborating with, with those aspects. And how do you find giving feedback when it's uh, a kind of school that you're not particularly au fait with? When it's, if it's art or design or something and you're coming in and you're saying, trying to communicate to that other person, oh, I want it more like this, but I can never mm. quite find the words because you don't have that technical vocabulary. And, Sometimes I always find designers are like, not the easiest people to work with. And they don't take criticism too well. I, I've been on the other end of that too. Really? You know, okay. I, I, do, I do film scores and there mm. I'm basically hired to do a film score and then they would comment on my work. And, <laughs> uh, directors usually don't know how to speak about music. You know, they can't really mm. say, um, you know, in musical terms, what they yeah, want. Yeah. So they never make any sense. And then when they, they are complaining about something, they're doing it in a way that doesn't make sense. And you, it really tries your, your, your patience sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but 
uh, when I'm, I, I think I'm, I've taken that experience, like, if I was in a position of a designer who's doing my album artwork, I think if I were in his or her position, what would I like to hear, you know, how would yeah. I like to hear this? And, and I've made mistakes, I've just said to a designer, that's ugly, and, and they don't take that very well. No. Um, once I thought he made a mistake. And, but it wasn't a mistake, it was intentional. So I, I, I sent him a note saying, uh, I think you made a mistake there. <laughs> yeah. So I learned to never say that. He was screaming on the phone. No! <laughs> yeah. God. Almost quit the job. <laughs> um, well, that's it, the other it, thing, isn't it? You've got to be able, in, in the collaborative process, you've got to be able to take criticism well. I think mm. sometimes you have to have quite a thick skin in order to do collaboration yes. because if if you're quite fragile and you you are going to like jump off the hook every time someone says they don't like one of your ideas then it's probably not going to be the easiest relationship to work in. Yeah. So yeah. That's again back to picking the right people. You have to work with a person that you can understand and that person can understand you. I think that's the basis of all good collaboration and that starts with friendship. You know? Yeah. In, even if it's purely a business relationship, just go out to dinner, have a drink, you know, before you start working. Mm. Uh, and I've had, with my art designer, we've had many nights where we just sit and have a glass of wine or two and just talk about our views of the world, you know, philosophy, anything that we are interested in. And that way he starts understanding how I think. Mm. Um, and it's not only about that project we're working on at that time, but how I think in general, he starts knowing me, what I like, what I don't like. Mm. Um, and then when we start the work, I, I forgot who said it, but uh, th there's kind of a famous saying about um, each minute you spend preparing saves you 10 minutes in the execution, you know. Right, okay, uh, yeah, that makes sense. This is true with everything, you know. Yeah. If you making a film you, you know the more time you spend preparing the location and the shoot and the actors and rehearsing mm -hmm. you save 10 minutes when you're actually shooting the scene yeah. uh, and I, f I feel like this is a part of the preparation just getting to know each other um, and get giving that person a sense of your vision if you're the person who has the idea it's not enough to just write the idea on a paper you have to get the person to understand you fully and not just understand the idea, but understand where the idea comes from, why you came up with that idea. Mm. And then that person can start working mm. if they fully understand. And then in nine cases out of 10, their first idea will be the only idea. You won't go through this making mm. five album artwork designs, you know? Yeah. You just, you've spent so much time working towards one point and what they will come up with if they're a good designer, that is, will be the idea. That makes sense. Have there been any um, collaborations that you've had to abandon? <coughs> have you ever had such, have you ever not done the preparation and you've gotten halfway through a project and been like, mm. I can't do this anymore? Or like, we need to change it up? I mean, I've fired people. <laughs> <laughs> And I have been fired, probably. But how much, if you're hiring like a large team, like if you have someone working your album in another country, is that a collaboration or is that simply a delegation? 
uh, in my life, it's a collaboration because okay. I, 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 that's my, that's how I work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it might be maybe slightly different with a chip shop and the stuff that works, but in, in my whole artistic life, um, even if it's just, you know, because we hire people for touring, you know, that mm-hmm. work with us designing the lights or doing the sound or simply being a stage manager or a roadie. Mm-hmm. In my eyes, that, that has always been a collaboration. The performers, the players that are with me on stage, they are my collaborators. And from the very beginning, I've looked at us as, as a band, you know. <coughs> I might be a dictator, but we're still a band. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I listen to their opinions, and, but I try to pe- pick people that I know that their opinions will have a say in what I do. Um, so that way all these other people start shaping what I do. Um, <coughs> I, I have hired when I've been maybe based, I was based in LA for a few months, a, a few years ago, and I decided to do a, a couple of gigs there, and then I just hired a string quartet. That was one of the worst artistical experiences of my life because these people were just there to do a job. And I've been raised, you know, I worked all these years thinking everything is, is, is equal and we're all kind of invested in a project, you know. They wouldn't be here if they didn't like this, you know. And it turns out they, they were just there because they got paid. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I, I didn't enjoy those shows at all. Because they, they won't bring anything to the table. They won't. They won't, uh, you know, they, w- they won't give, give it the extra mile, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will work strictly according to union rules and then stop and leave the rehearsal, even though if you're in the middle of a song. You yeah. Know? Orchestras do this They're all the time. They're notorious for it. They yeah. just put their uh, respective yeah. instruments oh, down. It's three o'clock. Gone. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, unions are great. It's just sometimes unions and art don't really go together (laughs) it's like a weird just a position you know like or a contrast that you know you're doing something for the love of it but still you 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 put your instrument down at three o'clock sharp even though you're you're in the middle of a song you know and you're like (laughs) imagine this like you're kind of in the in the zone and like oh it's three o'clock and you just kind of go but you're doing the thing that you love the most in your whole life. Yeah. Why would you stop at three o'clock? Like just you're doing it because you enjoy it, right? Is there a particular part of the collaborative process that you enjoy the most? <clears throat> hmm. Recently, I've started really liking the. Uh, the consciousness of it, like being conscious about that this is a collaboration that we're starting and kind of being really rigid about the things that we have to be, have a common understanding about. Mm. Uh, Just because I'm going through that process right now with a bunch of new people on my team and this time I decided like from the beginning I'm going to make this a really good collaboration and I'm going to make sure that my vision stays true through through every person that joins in on this <clears throat> and I've been really enjoying that which you know includes writing your things down it includes having all those dinners where you just talk about vision and philosophy and never any practical stuff you just basically talk about theory uh, it's kind of the preparation for a collaboration uh, I've been enjoying that a lot but <clears throat> I think generally I just enjoy the flow of it, you know, when 
when you're with someone, maybe playing together two pianos or something, and you're just both in the zone, and you are constantly, your mind becomes so awake, you know, I, I don't know any state of mind that is as much awake as this flow state that you go in when you're playing music with someone, and you just hear everything that they're doing, and you're able to react instantly mm. by it. So, uh, if that person plays that note, uh, you realize, okay, I have to move my chords down to this chord to complement that. Yeah. Uh, and it, it happens automatically somehow, like like by instinct. And uh, that is what I believe is true flow state. You know, your mind is just at some higher level of of, of functioning, mm. and this is basically my favorite thing in the whole world you know yeah uh, it happens when you're alone too um, but this aspect of collaboration is, is is why I do it you know when you're it, it doesn't have to be performing or playing it can be when you're brainstorming with someone yeah when I'm just sitting next to the artwork designer and he's literally doing it and I'm like oh yeah, yeah that's cool that's cool do more of this do more of this yeah. uh, you know you're just in the zone with somebody yeah um, and you, you connect on a level that you never really connect with, you, with your friends. You know? mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a different type of connection. Um, it's not just talking about that funny thing that happened yesterday, you know. Yeah. You're actually, you're, your minds are like directly connected through the project at hand. Do you, have you ever had to alter or, or kind of compromise your vision? Have you ever been in the middle of that sort of flow and someone's done something that surprised you so much that you've gone, maybe my initial vision's not as good as it could be, or not, not wrong, yeah. but... <coughs> yeah, absolutely. I think you should never be that uh, arrogant in a way to believe that your way is the only right way. Um, you, may, you may have a vision, but that vision isn't the only truth. And while it's important that you stick to your beliefs and, and you stick to what you want to project through your art. Uh, I think it's very important to be able to listen to criticism from the people that you have so carefully chosen. You know, if, if, if you should listen to anyone, you yeah. should listen to them. Uh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, I can't really think of a single example right now, but, um, but I, have, I have a few people in my life which I go to for the sole reason of the hard criticism. Because I know that they will always tell me exactly what they think. They don't care about hurting my feelings, you know. And That's good to have that because it's it's really difficult to give constructive <coughs> criticism. Yeah, it's very easy to say that you just you, know, you can kind of go, oh, yeah, it's really great. Yeah, I do oh, that. That's nice. I, I I make those lies every day, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's so easy to do I that. Listen to a friend's band and they're really shit. He's go, oh, that's nice. Uh, you say, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's very interesting. But then a lot of musicians <laughs> say that they would rather have someone say to them, I hate this. Yes. Until, and have to have, like, to actually have an emotional reaction yep. to the art that they've created. It's almost as good as having someone say, exactly. I love this. <laughs> I, was, I was just having this conversation earlier. I wrote a song yesterday that is super weird and it's, it's kind of kitsch and... and mm. And I showed it to my friend, and I was like, it's okay if you hate it. That's kind of the purpose. And I was mm. kind of protecting myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, yeah, but I kind of like that I hate it. You know, <laughs> I, I would listen to it again, because, yeah. because
because there's something that, that shocks me about this, that you would do this, there's something that doesn't fit right with me. Uh, and for me, that is enough. You know, art is not only about being beautiful or making something beautiful, it's, it's about sending some message. It's about hitting someone in the chest with something, and it doesn't always have to be that feeling of like, oh, that's beautiful. And I think actually that gets really boring after a while. Yeah, if you just make beautiful stuff, oh, that's very nice. Yeah. The last thing you did was also very nice, and the thing you did before that was also very nice. Why not do something that people go, oh, I don't know about that. We have to discuss this a little bit. Yeah, you yeah. Know, and I think that's even even greater. Um, like when, um, like a stupid example, but Kanye West. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we all kind of hate him, right? Mm. But we're always talking about him. Yes. Because he always does something that makes us think. You know, yeah. he always does something that makes us talk about it, makes us yeah. discuss it, even if we aren't fans of his. It's never mediocre with him. It's always one extreme. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, people who are not Kanye West fans will still be sitting at a party, drinking a beer, talking about his new album. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that? That's because he d did something that didn't have the purpose of being, oh, that's nice. Yeah. You know? It had the purpose of, of shocking. It yeah. had the purpose of breaking down some kind of walls that we all have in our heads about how you should be, what art you should make. Oh, he comes from that scene, so he must make that kind of music. Mm. Um, yeah, like I said, I could have probably thought of a, a better example than Kanye West. No, I but, think that's a great but example. Actually, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a really good example. Because I know there's, there's a lot of musicians who can't do that, like, lock myself away in a log cabin in the woods and write all my feelings down on paper. A lot of people need someone else to bounce ideas off. And not necessarily just artists either, like, a lot of people in business and a lot of people in varying sectors. You need someone to bounce, just to help you get those ideas out in the first place. Yes, I do that all the time. I, a lot of my artists' friends, they never show anyone anything until it's finished. Yeah. Uh, I'm very much the opposite. I'm showing demos to my friends and like, mm. uh, and, and not, not to get their input on it particularly, but more just to look at their faces when they listen to it. And like, if they start bobbing their head. Yeah. And I remember showing a, a new track to a friend of mine the other day and, and you know, someone who I, I really look up to and respect and and in the middle of the song, he just kind of turns around and looks at me with this, like, with this, uh, you know, quirky smile, like, mm. oh, you did that. <laughs> and it was not like a compliment. Yeah. It was not an insult either. It was just like, oh, you really went there. <laughs> and I just loved that. And that, that encouraged me to keep mm. going down that road. And I didn't need to be, you know, smothered in compliments to do it. I just yeah. needed to see oh, this is what I'm doing, it's creating some kind of reaction with these people. And that's an affirm affirmation that I'm, I'm actually going somewhere nice with this. And, and I've, I've talked about this in, in my film, Island Songs, the, which is a collaborative film from start to finish. The whole film is about collaboration. And I talk about it at the very end of the film that the, the real collaboration and the most important collaboration at the end is between you and your audience. Because um, until the audience has heard a song, 
it doesn't really exist, does it? You know, it, it exists as data on on a USB stick or whatever. Right. But as you know, as music, I don't think the music really happens until it's in our brain. It's a bit like know? a tree falling in the woods. Oh, <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> almost. But I guess what I mean is, is, is that until it's in your ears and your brain is processing it, it's just frequencies. It's frequencies vibrating at a different rate. There's nothing about that data on that USB stick in that MP3 file which tells itself it's music. Mm. It's just ones and zeros. And even when it comes out of the speaker, it's just a, f a frequency. But when it goes into your ears, you, you put those things together. You put the melody with the bass drum. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and there's even, um, Oliver Sacks has talked about it many times, that there's even brain conditions where you lose the ability to put those things together. And you simply hear a bass drum, and you simply hear an E, and then you hear an F, and then you hear an A but you don't hear that as a melody. You just hear three separate notes and your brain doesn't have the ability to put those together. And I, f I find that really fascinating and that really proves that music isn't music until we've put it together in our head. And the most important collaborator then must be that person <laughs> who is hearing the music and in, in whose, whom's, whom, whose? In whose brain? In whom's brain? In, in, whom's <laughs> <laughs> in whose? In whose brain? Uh, it wasn't that complicated after all. Um, in whose brain the music is really becoming reality. And, you know, it depends if they're on a train. It will sound different to them than if they're in public, uh, in a club, for yeah. example. Uh, and that is fascinating. And that, you know, that just really tells me they are the final stage of, of collaboration yeah. and, and the most important one. I feel like it would be more terrifying to work on something locked away and never see, those, never have someone to play those reactions off against during the creative process yeah. and just have this product nervous. and not yeah. know how <laughs> any, and just have, you must have to have so much self-belief <coughs> as well to be like, this is it. This, and how do you know when to finish either? Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes when you're working on something and you're like, I'm just going to add a little bit here and a little bit here. Is it's it ready like, yet? It's uh, like when, you, when you're putting uh, salt and pepper in your food. <laughs> oh, that's a little bit too much salt, so I have to put some pepper. Oh, that's a little bit too much pepper, so I have to put some salt. And in the end, you, you don't have soup anymore, you just have salt and pepper. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this happens all the time with my music. <laughs> <laughs> Is it good to have that person to go, I think it's time to it's leave? It's time. It's enough. It's enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Everybody needs that person. Do you ever just give your collaborators the dirty jobs that you don't want? Is there anything yeah. that you don't particularly like? <laughs> You're like, and you can clean up all the wires. Oh, oh treat. Yeah. <laughs> I got a guy for that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's back to like, is it really collaboration or a delegation? Yeah. Uh, there's a thin line. And I have this wonderful young guy who has been my assistant for three years now. His name is Snorri. He's a great musician and he's a composer himself. Mm. But he helps me out on, on everything, you know, when I do films and, and TV scores, he's always there with me and there he is, he's a collaborator, but his job title is an assistant. You mm. know? I just, I can't really see it as an assistant, except when there's a lot of editing to do and 
Here you go, Snorri. That's for you. <laughs> 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 What's been your favorite collaboration of your career? Um, I think one of them was Broadchurch, um, especially at the beginning. Not that it became any worse, but it was just more new at the beginning uh, when we did the first series. Um, it was such a good example of picking the right people for the right jobs. Um, so the way I joined that project was um, the creator of, of the series, he lives where it's filmed by those cliffs. Right, yeah. And he would take evening walks there and he was a big fan of my music and he would always listen to my music when he was doing his walks there. And the idea for the, the whole show came about when he had my music in his ears and was walking on those cliffs. Wow. So when he started doing the show um, and it came to the point where you have to decide, okay, who's going to do the music for the show? And he, he said, like, if I could have anyone, it would be Oliver because it just makes sense. And yeah. I talked to him and instantly there was like, Oh, you're calling me for a reason, you know, mm. because again, like all this preparation, you've, you've, uh, you know, not on purpose, but you have basically prepared that I am the right person for this job. Mm. So when I started doing music for it, it was instantly the correct thing because he hired me simply for who I, what I was and what I had done, not because I was someone who could put some notes together to create a melody. Because you know. he had a vision. <coughs> yeah, he had a vision and I was a part of that vision. Yeah. I was a part of the, the root of that, inspira uh, that inspiration that gave him that, that vision. And then the collaboration just became wonderful. We were so in sync, you know. And, and I think that's why the, <coughs> the first series was so successful in a way. And I, I know that I'm not the only person that entered that space of I of think it's Rogers. my music that really <laughs> 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 basically no um, sorry but, David. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was like that with with a lot of people who joined the show um, you know because that's just the way Chris works he mm. wants people that are a part of his way of thinking um, like when he's writing the show, he can yeah, already see the actors. He's already with it in mind, and, yeah. and he's even being inspired by some of the stuff that these actors have done before and what he thinks they could do, rather than just writing the show and then, oh, that's a big name, we should get him, you know, mm, and, and yeah. let's cast, you know, he, he could probably do that role. Um, so that was a very good collaboration. And I think my my projects with Niels Fram have also been a, been a highlight because we just enjoy it so much and we never do anything with the aim of releasing it. It all gets released in the end. Yeah. <coughs> but with him we were able to do a six hour long improvisation show. <laughs> Non-stop <laughs> in, in Paris last year and I don't I can't really think of anyone else I could improvise non-stop for six hours in front of non a big audience stop yeah you didn't even stop for a wee or anything we did separately but okay. there was always you know I, I went out for five minutes you know and he kept yeah, the melody yeah. going then I came back and joined him again and then he went out when he had to pee or needed a Red Bull <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> it started at midnight as well, so it did from oh midnight until God. sunrise. Wow! And in, in the Louvre, oh uh, wow. under the the pyramid. Yeah. And it was just this magical moment after 
six hours of constant improvisation and your brain is just really drying up you know it's like you've used up every single hint of an idea that you had in your brain like and you, you just know that if we were to do this any longer we would probably just stop because we're out and there's this magical moment when the the sun starts rising and we're under this huge pyramid in the center of the Louvre we have the whole museum to ourselves <laughs> and like a thousand people who came to see us and, and that's just when you know okay that was that there was a fit there you know we we complemented each other in a way that we were able to do this and mm -hmm. I think that's you know one of the things that I'm most proud of in my life was that moment it's amazing and how about other people's collaborations are there any collaborations that you've always looked up to or have always inspired you <coughs> um, I mean there's like director film composer pairs that I've, I've you know like uh, Johan Johansson and, and Dennis uh, Villeneuve did Prisoners and Arrival and Sicario mm -hmm. together and that seems to be like a or seemed to be until Johan quit Blade Runner <laughs> 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 that seemed to be like a, I don't know what happened there but uh, that seemed to be a very perfect uh, uh, collaboration like everything they did together was the music and the, the direction of the film just fit together perfectly um, and was hugely inspiring to see uh, same with especially early Darren Aronofsky and Clint Mansell stuff um, you know and, and you could see like with, with that with Clint Mansell and Darren Aronofsky they both uh, Pi was both of their uh, first film you know it was Darren Aronofsky's first film and it was Clint Mansell's first film score and so you can just see that this collaboration came out of of, of something deeper than like that history yeah they have yeah. history they were friends before and uh, he wasn't just hired for the job and then they grew together through like 10 films you know always a pair so they still work together did he do the he didn't mother? do mother no. no actually Johan Jonsson did mother did he but then he took his own music out of the film so oh. there's no music in the film after all it's really <laughs> it's a very tense film actually maybe the fact that there is no music makes it even more tense yeah it totally makes sense yeah. uh, i can see why they decided to not have an after a year of working on it <laughs> just no actually it's better without but that's that's a gutsy thing to yeah as a composer to it's suggest it's a pretty gutsy film yeah, <laughs> and that's another example of like I have I I loved it, but I I know people that loathed it, that thought it was a pile of rubbish, <coughs> and I think that's again like producing something that <coughs> can split people, yeah. and create that such that's, a that's what vicious divide. What I really loved about it is that the you know people, it, it's a mainstream promoted film. Yeah. It's basically an art house film, but people go to the cinema to see it. <laughs> You know, and they're just going to see the new film with Jennifer Lawrence in it. And, th and they don't know what to expect. And then they go in there and it's like they are violently brutalized for like two hours. I mean, it's... I was that's my favorite thing about it. I was it. in the middle of doing my bathroom when I went to see it. <coughs> I know the second half of the film is supposed to be the really, really intense gut-wrenching half. But for me, it was the first half of the film where I was like... She's just trying to finish the fucking house. Yeah. Just let her do the bathroom up. It was like a nightmare. I was so anxious for the entire film. It's exactly the same <laughs> feeling you get when you have nightmares. Yeah. When you try, you have that. Almost everyone has that recurring nightmare, like that you're trying to do something and some external force just makes it impossible for you to do it. Oh my god. Uh, and you can't. You lose control of it. Yeah. That's, oh. 
my version of that is, is uh, going on stage and, and none of my band or collaborators, since we're talking about <laughs> collaborations, <laughs> are prepared. And audience is in and the sound guy hasn't even put the mics on the piano and, I, and I'm standing there screaming at everybody but I lose my voice. And they're just laughing and it's basically exactly the scenario in Mother. That's real. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And That's I, so I have intense. that nightmare probably once a week. Really? No. <laughs> Is it because you're putting so much trust in all these external Yeah, probably, yeah. Groups. And for me, it's such a big... I, I know it's a much bigger deal for me than anyone else in mm. that group. Um, and my, my nightmare is that they don't care. And they can't hear me when I try to tell them that they have to do their, 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 you know, their yeah. parts. I can just imagine you now just like losing your shit in that chip shop, just being like, <laughs> I wanted ketchup and mustard for the dips. Where's the mustard? I, I was quite calm about the chip shop. Yeah. Mostly because I, I, I accepted the fact that I don't know shit. <laughs> no shit about chips. I don't know anything, so. And nobody does really. Thanks to Oliver. You can find our show notes and previous episodes at talktheline.blog. This was our first international episode. Thank you to Iceland Airwaves for having us. You've been listening to Talk The Line. I'm Jen Long, produced by Paul Bridgewater with original music by Seams. This is a podcast from the line of Best Fit. Please do give us a subscribe if you like what you hear. If you're feeling super generous, you can leave us a nice review or you can follow us on social media. See you next week. <laughs>